Welcome to the New Life Podcast. We are a church in Masson, Ohio, and our goal is to let everyone know that God can give them new life. So whether you are local to our area or you are just tuning in for some encouragement today, I pray that this episode will bless and propel you forward to live that life that God has called you to live. Praise the Lord, new life. Praise the Lord, everybody. How's everyone doing this morning? Amen. God is good. He is awesome. He is worthy, worthy to be praised. Truly, I thank God just for this day. I thank him for uh, another opportunity that he has granted me to stand here um, to deliver his word to his people who are called by his name and his name alone. I thank God for my health and my strength. I thank him for my life. I just thank him just for, just for another day that he has allowed me to, to arise and, 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 and have my right mind and be able to um, just to lift up my head and give him praise and give him honor and glory. Um, because there's a lot of people this morning that could not give him the praise and could not give him the glory, but God has given us, hallelujah, just a, another day just to bless him. I thank him and I praise him for my pastor. I thank him for Bishop, and I thank him for all the ministers and, and, and all the people of God who have made their way out here to the house of the Lord. Um, at this time, let us take our Bibles in our hand. Take your Bibles. If you don't have your Bible, maybe you have it on your phone. And let us turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. Very, very familiar um, scriptures. And chapter. Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 22. Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 22. Once again, Exodus chapter 1, verse 15 through 22. When you have it, can you say amen? Amen. And it reads as such, and the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew wives, of which the name of one was Shifra, and the other name, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then shall then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men, children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men, children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women. 
for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're going to say, Lord God, to your people, Lord God. Let ears be open. Let hearts understand, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, to bless, Lord, those that are making their way here today, Lord. I ask you to remember the rest of the service, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord, because you are worthy, Lord God. This we ask, and everyone said in Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen. The topic today, the message today that God has given me to teach from Exodus 1, chapter 15, 1, chapter 1, verse 15 through 22. The topic is the birthing of a midwife, the birthing of a midwife. You may be seated. The birthing of a midwife. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 3 says, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother a Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day that thou was born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou was not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. No eye pitied thee to have compassion upon thee, but thou was cast out in the open field to the loathing of a person in, the, in thee that thou was born. And when I passed by thee, this is God speaking, and saw the polluted in thine own, saw thee polluted in thine own blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou was in thy blood, live. Verse 8 says, Now when I passed by thee, and I looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee, and covered thy nakedness. I, yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God. And thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and anointed thee with oil. Look at God. In Job chapter 3, Job laments about the day he was born. In verse 3, he says, Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said. There is a man-child conceived. Let that day be darkness, 
Let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Let the darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of day terrify it. But the psalmist says, in Psalm 139, the Amplified Version, you have formed my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricately and skillfully formed as if embroidered with many colors in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my informed substance. Look at God. Isn't he awesome? We serve an awesome God. Oh, my Lord. Just the process of, of a baby being formed in the womb. How can that be? Look at God. What a mighty God we serve. Give him a hand, pray. God is awesome. He is worthy. Fearfully and wonderfully made. The writer says, as, as one as making a quilt, we have some quilt makers, and they're intricately made and, and formed and fashioned. That's how God has made human beings. Mm. And in your book were all written the days that were pointed for me, when as yet there was not one of them even taken shape. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated you to myself as my own. So before you and I was born, God knew us. He knew the soul that he would put inside this body. He knew what type of man and what type of woman that he wanted us to be. God has called us to different areas of his ministry, of the body of Christ. And we have to finish this race that he has made you to be, he has formed you to be ministers of music. He has formed you to be witnesses unto him. He has formed you and I to be able to take care of the young children in the nursery. He has formed you and I to be great husbands and great wives. Just not wasting our time sitting around but he has a purpose for you and I. He has a purpose for our children. He has a purpose for those that are in the womb, even as 
I speak now here at New Life. God has a purpose for these children. And let's, let us not allow the adversary to kill our children and to kill the purpose of God. Hallelujah, because if it was in the hands of the adversary, I would have been dead a long time ago. But it's because God has seen Kerry Brown III down the line. This is what I made him to be. This is what I'm going to have him to do. I will strengthen him for the work. He has strengthened us for the work. He has made me to be who I am today. It's not because of my goodness. It's not because of who I am. It's because of who he is. God is good, saints. In Psalms 127, God says, Behold, children, are a heritage and a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Psalms 22 and 10 says, says, I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Ever since God has made the declaration about that there was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, and he declared that he, God, would put enmity, enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and he goes on to say, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. It has been a conflict between God and the devil, all because of man, all because of a man that would come through the seed of Abraham and from the house of David to redeem mankind. When there is a purpose and a calling on a child's life, it is the adversary's job to stop God's plan for that baby. It is hard to see the things that God has for a child, especially when all that you see is the negative things coming out of her or him. When a child is born, yes, he is, he, we don't want to call them bad, but they are. <laughs> Thank you. They get into everything. But see, we don't, we don't see that when they're constantly in trouble, when you're constantly fussing them. But God sees the end from beginning. As bad as I was, I know I was a bad kid. I know I was, I was bad. I don't even think dogs wanted to play with me. I was so bad. But God had a purpose for me. He had a purpose for Carrie Brown III. Did my parents know that I would be ministering to the people of God at a young age? Probably not. When a child is born into this world, the child, they didn't ask to grow up in this country or grow up in poverty. They didn't ask to be the only child or grow up in the lifestyle of prostitution, nor grow up into a household of the rich and famous. But when you have a purpose, 
on your life, no matter how you grow up, no matter what lifestyle you have lived, God has his hand on you to lead and guide you into the right direction. And that is towards him. When my father, Deacon Kerry Brown, was born June 5th in 1943 in Greenville, Mississippi, to the late Kerry Brown Sr. and Beatrice Granger Brown, do you think that he asked to be born in one of the most, in the most worst times of segregation? When he was born, do you think that he wanted to pick cotton all the days of his young life? Do you think when he was born, he thought that he would be called every name under the sun and not his birth name? I'm sure he wanted a better life. And what a mighty God we serve, because soon he and his parents moved to Youngstown, Ohio, to escape the racism in which some point we all face, whether black, white, Hispanic, in this story, the Jewish race, and in this story, the Jewish race. See, when God sees your future and has a plan for you, nothing can hinder God's plan, saints. Did my father know that he would meet someone in school to introduce him to the oneness of God? Did he know that he would go down in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost? Do you think he would, would have thought that to meet my mom and then it would be six of us. See, that is what I love about God. You don't see the future. You don't see what he has in store for you. So you have to walk with God to watch your life unfold between your eyes. My dad knew that he had a mission, and that was to get us to church, no matter how much we didn't like it. See, God was using my dad to set up his six children for one of the best lives we could imagine. Yes, we went astray, but God knows how to bring people back, especially when it's a call on your life. It is sad but true, some children never have a chance to have parents that walk with God, and the ones that do, they seem to squander the time that God has given them. So, young people, if you're listening, you ought to be appreciative, appreciative of your parents and your grandparents that have brought you to church, that have forced you, to, forced you to come to church and to pray for you and to love you into this church. Hallelujah. Because if it was up to me, I probably would have never been here. Or it was up to you, you would probably would have never been here. But you have met someone. You met someone in your school. You met someone in the restaurant. You met someone on the football field. And they introduced you to Jesus Christ and the oneness of God. Even with Pharaoh, he had no idea that when he was born, that he would play a significant role in one of the, the biggest deliverances known to man. Sometimes I ask myself, could he have not allowed his heart to be hardened and just let them go? 
But see, when you have a big part in God's plan, it must go God's way. And Isaiah 46, 3 through 11 says, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and the remnant of the house of Israel, you who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb, even in your old age, I shall be the same. And even to your graying years, I shall bear you. I have done it, and I shall carry you, and I shall bear you, and I shall deliver you. My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure, calling a birds of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it, surely God said I will do it. In Genesis chapter 15, the plans for Israel begins with a dream that Abraham had. And verse 13 says, God says to Abraham, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them, who? The Egyptians. And they shall afflict them 400 years and also that nation I will judge. And afterwards shall they come out with great substance. There is always a plan by God. Scripture always makes that clear. Psalms 33 and 11 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Proverbs 19 and 21 says, Say many are the plans in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord it will stand. This is the plan devised against the whole earth, and this is the hand that is stretched out against all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has planned, and who can frustrate it? And as for his stretched out hand, who can turn it back? The definition that was found in the Westminster's Confession of Faith, and it reads as such, the definition of plan says, God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. And by this plan comes some characteristics that are important. One, this plan is God's plan. Two, the plan of God encompasses all that he has predestined to occur. Three, the plan of God is eternal. Four, the plan of God is all-encompassing. Five, the goal of God's plan is to bring glory unto himself. Six, God's plan cannot be changed, and it cannot be thwarted. It is a certain plan. Seven, God's plan is a mystery. Eight, the outcome of God's plan for the Christian 
is his good. Ten God's plan employs means which the human mind would see as incompatible with the end God has purposed. Eleven, if, if the goal of God's plan is to demonstrate the glory of God, the means is, to, is the establishment of God's rule or dominion on the earth. Here we have one of the greatest stories that I am so glad was recorded by the man of God. In Genesis chapter 50, this ends with a positive time for all the Jewish people. They had been well established in their home. They were eating the fruit of their labor and had enjoyed a time of peace until the 400 years were up. When it is time for you to move on, and it has been ordained by God's time, by God, it's time to pack up your bags and go. God has told some of you to go, but you still want to stay in Egypt. But God will set up his own taskmasters to move you on. Here is a period in time when the Egyptians feared the Jewish slaves and went out their way to oppress them even more. But this was God's plan to move his people to the land of milk and honey. The Bible footnote says that Egyptians took pride in treating their slaves well as other nations treated their peasants. Families were allowed to remain intact they could own their own property and were well fed. Typically, Egyptian slavery was comparable to being in the Egyptian army. Harsh discipline, little personal freedom, and hard work, but without the horrors associated with slavery in these times. This is the time when the Pharaoh's, when Pharaoh's plan was to diminish God's people by ridding themselves of all the male children. Here we have the story of the two greatest women in history. Besides Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary, who anointed Jesus' feet, kissed them, and dried them with her hair. It is said in ancient Egypt that the midwife came in many forms. For peasants, the midwife was a friend, neighbor, and or a family member who helped deliver the baby. For noble women and wealthier classes, the midwife was usually a maidservant or a nurse who already lived in the household. They didn't have formal training. Most of these women learned by apprenticeships, whose knowledge was passed down from family member to family member or a friend to a friend. This work included emotional support, encouragement, medical care, and religious help, and protection to women during their lives. They focused on pregnancy, labor, fertility, and contraception. Most Egyptian women labored and delivered their babies on the cool roof of the house. While the noble class had birth houses, 
that were attached to the temple. It is said most women delivered their babies sitting on their heels, birthing rocks, or sitting in a birthing chair. The midwife would be in a position in front of the mother to help catch the baby. Two other women, or midwives, would be placed on either side of the mother to hold her hands to give encouragement. In Exodus 17, 12, this gives us an example of Moses. No, Moses was not a woman, but Moses sat on a stone that was set underneath him, and Aaron and her, H-U-R, held up his arms so that Moses, through prayer, could birth the victory over the enemies of God. The history of these young ladies say very little, but what we do know about them is that they feared the Lord, they feared the God of the Hebrews, and both decided to go against Pharaoh's orders. Sometimes you have to. Was what these two midwives say was true, or was it a lie? That when the Hebrew women gave birth, they were livelier and are delivered ere the midwife come into them. It is said also, saints of God, that the multiplication of God's people, they were, going, they were, they were multiplying so fast, it was almost like animalistic or reptilian or even like insect reproduction. That's how fast they were multiplying. Either or, God respected what these women did and gave them houses or families of their own. It is not said that they were just in charge of the whole nation of Egypt or a portion, but Pharaoh had respect for these two women and seemed to believe their report concerning the children. After this plan did not work, they were ordered to throw all the male children in the Nile. It is said that Pharaoh would send his men out every day to look for male babies. And if they were found, they would be cast into the river. It is also said that the Egyptian women would walk through the Hebrews' homes with their crying children so that if other children were hiding they would also start crying. I thought that was very interesting. Perhaps this is what happened to Jochebed, Moses' mother, because after three months, she could no longer hide Moses. This is when the ark was built, when Shifra, whose name meant fair, and Pua, whose name meant fragrant, were born. They would not have any idea at this time that they will be charged by God to have one of the greatest impacts on a nation as well as changing the course of history. I'm almost done. These midwives and their power to transform childbirth from what might be a negative experience to a positive one. This occupation is called the renewal of life. The importance of, of the role of the midwife becomes perfectly clear. It's just not new lives that midwives bring into the world, but 
rebirth, a renewal of a nation. It's Jewish history. It has always seemed that the man was the giver. The woman was the receiver. It says women represented the hidden sphere while men walk in, in the public realm. In this story, the roles are reversed. Women pushing the men and driving the course of the events. I realized that this story was about the birth of a great leader, but truly this story was about the midwives who God birthed just for this time in history. They were born just to save Moses in this time. So when God has a plan for you, no matter when you were born, God has a plan for you. No matter when, what century you were born, what day you were born, God has a plan and each parent has to see that in your child, that God has a plan for our babies. The birth of the midwife is what the nation should be giving thanks to because of the fear of God and love for the children of Israel. I do tip my hat off to these courageous women who would have never been mentioned if it wasn't for God letting us in on how he used them in a mighty way. Some scholars say that midwives in Israel were always barren, who in order to find their place in a society where family was valued above all else, were given the responsibility of helping other women bring life into the world. If it's true, it makes sense that God gave them houses of their own as a reward for their faithfulness and even more blessings. I understand with or without midwives, Moses would have been born. He was God's chosen man who would bring forth a people out of bondage. Men in scripture who did the delivering out of bondage, the driving and the rescuing, but without these women and God, Moses would not have survived to lead God's people. These two women were the first deliverers of Israel because they delivered the deliverer. A writer said that righteous women of God have always chosen and will always choose to conceive, to deliver, and to protect life above all else because they understood the value of life and its importance in God's eternal plan. Righteous whom also understand that without women who are willing to bear, deliver, and raise children, none of God's plans could come forth. I realize that this story has to do about Moses and what he did, but today God wants to shed some glory on these women who went above and beyond to help save a nation. We have women in this congregation that may feel that God hasn't given you your ministry. But you have, but have you considered the office of a spiritual midwife? There are people here that need to receive the new birth. Some of you may be just what they need just to have that conversation at the altar about being born again. Some may need to be the midwife to make sure people are getting the Holy Ghost and just not someone giving it to them. 
Some may need that person to walk down the aisle with them. The aisle is a long walk for some people who are in sin because when the adversary doesn't want you to be born, he doesn't want you to get up out of that seat. We need people to help people to come down to the altar. Some may want to ask God his plans for you because some of you were born perhaps for this time to help deliver God's next man or woman to be the great deliverer of a nation. So who will be the poor and the shepherd in this age? Because the enemy wants to destroy those who are thinking of turning their hearts to Jesus. He wants to destroy them after they are born of the water and spirit. And when someone is born of the water and spirit, we do need the, the midwives because they are newborn babies and that, who cannot figure their way out uh, or understand uh, you know, God's purpose for them. And we need people to show them the right way. And even, I'm almost done, I know I said it before, after they are born, he wants to throw them into the river of death, hoping that there will be no midwives that disobey the ruler of darkness and help save those who God has given a destiny to fulfill. So will the midwives stand up in these last days to help bring forth God's ministers in these last and these final hours? Truly, our God is looking for such in this time and season. Will that midwife be you? Finally, this is to all the spiritual midwives we don't acknowledge. It says that the mother ignored, neglected, and unknown is you. The mother who is the midwife, a woman keens with contractions, labors under pain, utterly reliant on your compassion and care. You mother her, midwife. Each tongue the world speaks when a child is born. The welcome at the threshold of life is you, mother midwife. From the day the egg implants in the womb, as the earth's troubled stir, as the child is counted, he gazes, hard breathing, he cries. The first in awe, enamored, is you, the mother who is the midwife. You are intent on the baby's being, first guide on the path of his or her wobbly walk that he might be as good as he can. One who atones for us. Let us stand. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for what you have said to your people, Lord God. We ask in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you bless, Lord, your people, Lord. Remember those, Lord God, who are going to be born again according to your word, Lord God, that we will be spiritual midwives, Lord God, to direct them, to keep them safe, Lord, from the adversary's hands, Lord God. 
We ask you, Lord, to strengthen, Lord God, those women even now, Lord, who are having babies, Lord God, even in this congregation, Lord God, that you will lead and guide them, Lord God, into all truth, Lord. These children are born for a specific reason, O oh God. And Lord, we need parents, we need grandparents, we need midwives, Lord God, to help show these babies the right way, O oh God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we magnify you. Everyone said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. At this time, you may get your children.